0: Hello, my friends, how are you today? You're listening to the St. Mark Bemidji Sunday Edition Podcast, which is brought to you by The Selfie Toaster. Yes, The Selfie Toaster, because eating a piece of toast with your face on it isn't weird at all. This podcast features a replay of our Sunday sermon or on occasion a sermon from another Well Sister Church. Today, we link up with our sister church down in Sioux City, Iowa. Today's meditation is titled, An Exception, and is based on 1 Samuel chapter 21. Pastor Allard reads the verses as he begins today's meditation, so let's listen in now.
1: You're about to receive the most wonderful present gift in the entire universe, it's called the Word of God. We
2: take a piece of it, First Samuel 21, I read a section of that. The priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand.
1: Uh, however, there is, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. So far the word. Please be seated.
2: There are some laws, there are some laws that just seem
1: nuts, right? Does it take much time for our American brains to think of an example? Being the unruly people we are. I'm just kind of half joking. It's okay, light enough. But being the people that we are, there's some rules out there though that are nuts. And if you're the person who's been around on this planet long enough... Do you remember when the law came down, oh, now everybody's got to wear the seatbelt, everybody's got to wear the seatbelt. And if you uh, grew up not wearing seatbelts, at that time it might have seemed nuts. The government's going to force this for me to wear seatbelts in my car? Not too much after that law came down. There was another law, too. Now the drinking age is going to shift from 18 to 21. And people are thinking, the government's going to tell me when I can drink a can of beer. You've got to be kidding me. They're pushing it back three years. Now, I'm going to give an answer to the question, why are laws given and created? Why are laws passed down? It's going to be a little contentious. Don't worry, I'll come back to
2: your concerns in a moment. Why are laws given to benefit us? And this is coming from the preacher who's probably complained more, if
1: you give me a chance, about politics than anybody else in this room. To benefit us. Now, as you chew on that for a moment, I want you to think. Just just the seatbelt thing, that one we've done it for so many years, and we've kind of gone, yeah, it's kind of nice not being ejected out of my vehicle in an accident. Yeah, I see the benefit of that law, right? How about the other one, the drinking age? This one we're a little more iffy, but we go, okay, we're hoping that our kids have a little more maturity three years later, but you see they're trying to benefit and prevent accidents. Now, what about those laws that seem downright damaging, or are? Well, and I keep this short and sweet, you can vote in another politician who will change the laws. You can run for office. And let's be honest, it's easier in this country To change laws it's easier to change this country than necessarily other parts of the
2: world right but what about ones that are kind of in the middle that seem arbitrary and pointless
1: right well I got to say as as your kids and grandkids grow up do not constantly talk about politicians and politics as dirty if you do what's going to happen not one Christian will ever run for political office because my dad and mom, they know how disgusting that work is, so I better not either. So please don't also talk it up from time to time as well.
2: But what about when you get an arbitrary law? We think I'm the exception.
1: I I am exempt from such a law. I am the exception to the law. And we'll have a, a lot of different reasons for being an exception to the law. But the law has a long history, doesn't it? You could say it came into the world as soon as people sinned. The law didn't really exist before we sinned because everybody was the walking, talking embodiment of God's law. So there would be no such word as law. But once we sinned, absolutely. And then God actually wrote down his laws through Moses, and he gave it to his people Israel. And you see, many centuries down the line, one of the things that came out of the nation of Israel that had nothing to do with God was the political party, the Pharisees. They also had something to do with religion too, right? They were a law-driven sect, and I have to defend the Pharisees every time because If they were in your neighborhood today and you had a neighborhood watch program, you would want these people to be your neighbors. They were good neighbors to have. But they were a law driven sect.
2: So these people see the disciples of Jesus in our gospel and they go, look, they are
1: harvesting. Now, if I were to give a pop quiz right now and say, does anybody define what the disciples were doing in the gospel lesson as harvesting? I think we could safely say every one of us would say, maybe stealing, but not harvesting. They're not working. But that being said, let's try to take what they said seriously. God did actually create such a command as the Sabbath rest, and he took it very seriously. And the Sabbath was important. It was a sign between God and his people of the deliverance from Egypt. It was also a reminder of God resting on the seventh day, the pattern for our entire life, and then to give an experience of the foretaste, just a foretaste of the eternal rest that is to come. The Sabbath rest was ordained by God, and God took it very seriously.
2: But did you see how Jesus answered the Pharisees' objection? With our lesson for today. First Samuel chapter 21. And he gives an example where
1: David, if you want to use modern terminology, he was literally on the run from the feds. How is that? We'll come back to that suffering of David in just a moment, but he was on the run from the feds and this was a situation where he had to lay low because of the heat. King Saul was hunting. Him and the few people crazy enough to follow David, right? There was no high v or fair way to get some groceries. And so here's David going, what people can I trust? Who can I actually trust? The high priest? So he goes there. And you saw the response of Ahimelech. He probably had started to hear the rumors. He knew the bad blood between David and Saul. And he's asking, why are you by yourself? What's going on? And yet Ahimelech was presented with something he probably didn't want to hear that day. Give me some bread. Five loaves will be enough. Just enough for me and the few people that are with me. We're on a secret mission. Everything's okay. And Ahimelech had to say, David, there's nothing here. except..." And now, sisters and brothers in the faith, is not this the real life of a Christian, of a believer in any era? A Ahimelech, with a few seconds he had, pacing back and forth and going, okay, what am I
2: going to do, what am I going to do? There's no bread here. Oh, there's the bread in the holy place.
1: Does this not sound like real life for the believer? What's the right thing to do? And here's this man who is not too far away from starving. And I want you to understand the need of the
2: moment, he and his men from starving. And he has to ask himself what to do. Jesus, during his
1: ministry, was presented with situations, not the exact same thing, but things similar to this. An example, one day, just a chapter later in the same gospel, he healed a man in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, a man who had a shriveled arm. And you can guess what people said. You're doing the work of a doctor on the Sabbath day. How dare he? And Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, which speaks of the same section, he says, will you not take a sheep out of a pit, basically? If your sheep gets stuck in a pit, won't you get it out? Won't you save it, even if it's the Sabbath day? And then he says, how much more valuable is man, a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful
2: to do good on the Sabbath. So, seeing David get the consecrated bread, what does our sinful nature immediately start to think?
1: Oh, yes. Our sinful nature jams its foot in the door and says, I'm going to yank that door wide open. God just proved it.
2: As long as we love him and he loves us, we can do whatever we want. Isn't that what we start to think? Isn't that what the sinful nature thinks?
1: And if we have laws then that are inconvenient to us, and for the moment I say both political in our nation and also God's, what's the temptation to say, I am the exception to the rule. And it's amazing how quickly that same sinful nature jumps in until you have one exception after another for the rest of your life. God told me to love my neighbor. I get it, but you know what my neighbor said to me? There's no way I'm going to say it or speak mercifully to them. I know God told me to set aside to worship him, but I have a doozy of a week. If you want to sit down for a second, I can explain it to you. I, I know God wants me to study his word. And that we have opportunities at times in our life where we have both a worship service and a Bible study on the
2: same day. But you know, my whole Sunday morning is shot if I do that. Are you the exception to God's rules? I can ask, was it Himalayan? Was the disciples of Jesus... There are no exceptions to God's rules. We are called to obey his laws perfectly
1: every time, but here is where I get, I hope, you see, is the crux of the matter. Is it really what we would define as, I think we jump to that word exceptions too much, or I am an exempt,
2: or I am an exemption. Instead, is it not? a lack of understanding of God's will instead of exceptions.
1: And if you want clarity, sometimes it's useful then to ask. When we're in the situation Ahimelech was, we're pacing back and forth, whatever problem it is with our family or ourselves, and we're saying, what do I do, Lord? This is not clear. I do not know what to do. I talk to fellow Christians, I talk to pastors, and even they say, well, God doesn't explicitly lay it out. So what good are they? I'm not sure what to do. You could start to ask yourself some questions to clarify the situation. One of them is, do I make myself an exemption or do I make myself exempt from God's law so I can do clearly what God has told me not to do? That's an easy one. Usually it's going to be a third party telling you you're sinning, even when you don't see it. Somebody else is telling you. That's the easy one. How about this?
2: Am I doing this to serve God or myself? Am I doing it to serve myself?
1: Am I putting God first and loving him with all my heart? Am I even thinking of the good of my neighbor? What's the thing you often hear when you invite people to church? They'll often talk about, I'm good, but they'll never mention,
2: how about the person next to you? They don't think of helping somebody else by being at church. So you think of that. Is
1: it a selfish reason that I'm cutting myself an exemption from God's law, from God's rules? Or am I also thinking of the good of others? And then here's one more question. What is my overall attitude towards the commands of God? Do I see the commands of God as like an inconvenient honeydew list? Oh, do this, do that. Okay, 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 I'll get it done.
2: Or do I look at it as something beneficial? Something that helps my
1: life? As we think of this, I I have to ask you the question, as soon as I drop the word beneficial, you might say, well, pastor, wait a second. Is God's word always beneficial? I give you as an example, David. David, by and large, especially during his early years, did the right thing. He followed the commands of God. And what was he doing at this moment in his life? What was he? A fugitive running from the
2: feds, from King Saul. A Ahimelech. He was following the commands of God. Any little
1: bit and piece of description we have of him, he was doing what God wanted
2: What happened to him? Do you remember the history right after this event when Saul found out you helped David?
1: Everybody in the town of Nob was killed. Ahimelech was killed. His son Abiathar was the only one to get away.
2: And he followed a command of God. Do you see why I'm defining what is beneficial? Now, here's the question. What benefits you now, in the moment, and what benefits you for eternity? And there we
1: start to understand what is truly good, right? What is truly good. If our republic and the citizens of our republic here in America, if we only do what is good for us in the moment and what serves me personally, how long do you think our republic's going to stand? I mean, let's just keep it real. How long? 20 years? 50? Tops? If we only think in terms of what benefits me in the moment, how long do you think our immortal souls are going to last?
2: Under the grace of God. Probably even shorter. So, what benefits me
1: and the person next to me for eternity? And now you're starting to ask the question that can be very helpful as far as what is beneficial? What can I do in the moment? Lord, what is the right decision? It's still a hard question to answer, but this can help. What can benefit me and others for eternity? So, and don't get me wrong, there are aspects of God's will and commands where there's an immediate benefit. If I study the word of God, it gives me an orderly life here in the moment. By and large, in history, Christians live orderly lives and Christians live longer, healthier lives. Yeah, there's a benefit. Um, attending worship or Bible study? Yes, there is an immediate benefit when I hear, Jesus died on a cross to take away every single mistake, every single foolish act, every single sin. There is an immediate benefit benefit to that knowledge right and just the fact that you're here encourages other people as well they know you went so people in your household who stayed home can go oh there's the example people who sit next to you today can see the example and be encouraged what benefits me and others for eternity let that question remain in your mind the next time you have one of those difficult how do i apply your will god kind of situations and know this, next time you do that and you try to make the right decision
2: and you know afterwards, you know you failed. What's Jesus for? Because the fact is, you will never get,
1: never make exactly the right decision, ever. Even your motivation will never be totally pure, even if you do the right thing. This is what Christ is for. This is what Christ is for, the one who made exactly the right decision every time. Even as Ahimelech chose to feed David and his hungry men, I want to ask you this. Did Ahimelech open a bread store afterwards? Did he open a nice thrift bread store afterwards? Do you see the point I'm making? That day he gave some bread to David and his men. He did not continue to do so every day for the rest of his life. Same for us. Jesus knows all those times when we made exceptions for the selfish reason, and he nailed himself to the cross. And he took the regulations that condemned
2: us and nailed that to the cross. Now, mindful of God's love for you, remember, The word of God,
1: even God's laws, once you have the cross of Jesus benefits me, all you got to do to think of an example is Jesus following every command of God really benefited us. The law does benefit. But never think of Jesus as some happiness machine, as a machine that just pumps out happiness and benefits for you. No, he is your truest friend who loves you. So God, give us the eyes to see. To see how I, and each one of us can say this as we look into our own souls and say, God, give me the eyes to see, to see how by living your commands, I am actually showing love. Give me the eyes to see how I can benefit by following your commands, someone else,
2: someone next to me, into eternity itself.
0: Amen. That's all there is for today. There isn't any more for this podcast, but if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, you might consider subscribing to the podcast, and you will get content four times weekly in your favorite podcast app with no further effort. Additionally, you might consider sharing it with a friend. Each and every podcast has a share link in its description, which can be found in the same podcast app you're listening to right now. Let me know if you can't find it, or if you just want to say hello by emailing me at john.kirk at share God's Word, and share the light of the world. I also want to take this opportunity to invite you to church with us. Each and every week, we have two church services in Bemidji, Minnesota, at 2220 Ann Street on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 1030 a.m. Additionally, we have a completely free cup of coffee that comes with a complimentary Bible study at 9.15 a.m. Each and every Bible study is led by a certified and college-educated minister. Or maybe you'll live in Walker, Minnesota. On the second and fourth Monday of every month, we also have church services there at 1100 Minnesota Avenue West at 7 p.m. Come as you are, and I hope to see you soon. If you have more questions or you want more information about our ministry, check out our website at www.stmarkbemidgie.org. Have a blessed rest of your day.